Welcome to our next chapter on this journey where we talk about not just surviving, but thriving through the shitty times and actually how to navigate and move through them. As we start this conversation, Danielle, what are a few kind of beginner strategies that you would recommend for just kind of recognizing and beginning to work through an unpleasant or an uncomfortable emotion? Yeah, absolutely. Step one is identifying the emotion. And um, I've been doing virtual sessions for almost two years now. But back in the good old days, when I was in an office, I literally had a deck of cards that had feelings on them. Because so many people have not really built their emotional literacy. I feel mad. I feel sad. I feel bad. I feel happy. And it's like, oh, but there's so many things that you could be feeling. And so I could ask a client, how are you feeling right now? They'd say maybe one of those handful of emotions. And then I would literally lay a deck of cards out on the floor and they all had emotions on them. And I'd be like, just scan, just pick what resonates. And by you know, a few minutes in, they have 10 cards in their hand. Like I had no idea that these were feelings and I had no idea that I could feel so many emotions at the same time. And it's like, yes, we are very complex beings. We are generally feeling multiple things at the same time. So step one, I think, is finding a way to build your emotional literacy. Um, There are resources where you can find like um, collaborative communication or the nonviolent communication movement has really great resources about um, identifying emotions separate from judgment and, and separate from story. And so step one would be building that emotional literacy so you can actually start to identify how you're feeling in the moment. And then it looks a little different for everyone and how you sort of move through that emotion or let that emotion move through you. Um, Emotions are meant to be sort of waves that pass through us. They're not meant to get blocked and then take up residence. That's when we start to notice chronic pain, headaches, uh, GI issues, disturbed sleep, um, you know, increased anxiety and inability to focus when we start suppressing our emotions and blocking them, they just, they don't go anywhere. They just build up. And so um, I think a lot of people say, well, it just seems like a lot of work to feel my feelings. And I'm like, honey, it's a lot of work not to like, there's some part of your energy that is working really hard to keep a lid on everything that you've been ignoring. So it is work either way. One way is going to get you some relief and and it's going to help you sort of metabolize and and release those emotions. And so um, a thing that I see, and I feel like Atlassians would probably resonate with this, is try to avoid understanding why you feel the feeling before you allow yourself to feel it. A lot of us will notice that we feel sad or we feel lonely or whatever it may be. We feel discouraged and then we'll be like, pause. Okay. But why, what's a good enough reason for me to feel this way? As if, if we don't find a good enough reason, we're just not going to feel it. Like it's already (laughs) there. It is, it is clearly there already. And so that can actually be sort of a, a negative coping strategy as we try to intellectualize our way through an emotion versus feeling it. And so if you're like, I feel really sad and I don't know why it's okay. Maybe just allow yourself to feel sad, even though you don't know why, because often on the other side of releasing that emotion, we get a little bit of clarity and sometimes emotions just come and go and we don't know why they were there. 
but we don't block the process and we don't add distress by um, spiraling about why we don't know why, you know, because we don't know why it's there. Another thing that I will add to this, that's very um, uh, just of the time is this pandemic is, has been a global trauma, whether your specific household was directly affected on some level, your nervous system knows there has been mass loss and death and suffering. And like, we carry some of that, but it's not until you're on the other side of a traumatic event that you really start to process your experience of it. And so for a lot of people, as we're starting to kind of come out of this and feel a little bit more either safety or security or stability, all of the emotions that they were not feeling over the last almost two years, because they were still in crisis mode are going to start to surface. So I think for at least the next year, but I think longer, a lot of people are going to experience emotions that they don't know where they're coming from. And they might feel very, very big. And it's kind of in the same idea as if your house is burning down, you're not feeling what's going on in the moment because you're trying to get your stuff. You're trying to save your pet. You're trying to do whatever you can. You don't start feeling the, tra- the trauma and the emotions around that. So you're sitting on the curb, the fire's out, you've been physically checked out, and now your brain and your body is saying, okay, we can now just turn back and look and see what just happens. And there's a lot of feelings about that that we need to move through. Beautifully said, valuable reminders too for, for current times. Um, it makes me think about how for many of us, I guess, especially right now, if, if we're um, staying at home more, right? That, and even if we don't live with others, we're just in a connected world where we're always talking to, connected to teammates, friends, social media, people we cohabitate with. And when we're experiencing these difficult times and crappy emotions that will, those will kind of butt up against the people around us. Um, And in those moments that it feels like we'll kind of fall into sometimes extremes of how those emotions butt up against others or how we communicate them. Cause like sometimes you just feel triggered and then you're like unproductively reactive or like, dad, just stop bothering me. Don't ask me to like put the dishes away. Um, or some of us on the other spectrum, like hide and like repress all of it and are such people pleasers or conflict avoiders that we just stay silent and like keep it all pressed down. Um, when it comes to these crappier emotions, these difficult times, what would be your words of advice or encouragement when it comes to communicating about those emotions and about your emotional experience to others that, that are just around you or that have to witness those? Start with your safe people. Um, Not everyone is going to have a pleasant response to your emotional experience. And that's okay. That's literally the practice of vulnerability. It wouldn't be vulnerable if we knew it was going to go beautifully every time, which is why it feels scary because we don't know how it's going to go. Um, And so letting the people that you trust, the kind of the people that help you keep watch in in your life, um, I highly recommend letting them know in a neutral moment, here's something that I'm working on. And you are a person that I would like to practice with. I'm really trying not to shut down when I notice uncomfortable emotions, or I'm really trying not to do the hard stuff about myself anymore. 
are you willing to be a person that I practice talking a little bit more about this? Once that person is on board, then they know, oh, this is one of those moments. Okay, I'm here. I'm listening. Um, so I think that's one part of it. I think another part is moving away from this ridiculous myth that like the people that love us can read our minds. They, they can't. They're in their own damn mind. They don't know what your mind is doing. <laughs> like It doesn't matter how long you've been together, or how much you've been through. And coaching the, the people that you love about how to love you. And so that may be something as simple as I had a really shitty day. Please do not try to solve anything I'm about to say. I just want to be witnessed. I just want somebody to hear me and say, that sounds so hard. I am so sorry. I hope tomorrow is better. And that, that reduces a lot of conflict because if someone says, oh, why didn't you just say this? Or, oh, well, you should have woken up earlier if you were so stressed. It's like, no, no, I'm not available for that. I don't want that. Or you can come to the people that you care about and say, I really need some advice. I'm feeling um, totally disconnected from my agency and my decision-making. I'm super confused and ambivalent. Can I lay this out for you? And can you tell me what you would do? So we can be very clear about it. And to me, it's such a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes people will say, well, you should have just known and it would have been better if I didn't have to tell you. (laughs) And it's like, how is it not better to go to somebody that loves you and say, here's, this is what I'm, I'm really needing right now. And for them to say, hell yes, absolutely. I will definitely show up for you in that way. Like, oh, in my mind, there's nothing more beautiful than that. To me, that means so much more. And it's real. I love that. Just a reminder to, that, that we have the option to be proactive um, in how we communicate, tune into, ask for our needs to be met, um, even when it comes to our relationship with others. Um, so let's, let's go on the flip side of that. Um, when, when maybe we have when people that. <laughs> that and, or when we, when we're just not able to be proactive or when we're like deep in those triggers, right. And we are only able to be reactive. I think a lot of us will when we're triggered, get really caught up. Like we were talking about in, in, in prior conversation that we'll get so caught up in like our story and then in blaming or attacking the other person who is there or who happened to be involved with the trigger. And it leads us to kind of completely overlooking our own part in the situation. Um, what are your words of action or advice when it comes to starting to be able to identify what parts of the emotion are our own and what parts are our responsibility and why that's important. Yeah. Anything that you're feeling and anything that you say is your responsibility. <laughs> like that's a, it's a pretty blanket thing. Um, and that doesn't mean to say that, Oh, well, you're saying it's my fault that somebody said this really hurtful thing. It's my fault for being hurt. And it's like, no, it's not your fault. It's just the way you receive that is hurtful to you. And it's okay to feel hurt. That might let you know that this is not a person I want to invest any more energy into, or it may let you know, wow, I don't think they realize that when they make jokes about this thing from my past, that it cuts me really, really deeply. I think I need to actually set a boundary here and let this person know. And so that's what it looks like to take responsibility for your own emotional experience. Not to say that it's your fault, 
It's not to say that people can't do some really terrible things. It's what is the information that I'm getting for how I feel about what just happened? And, um, and then how did I handle it in the moment? So if we're talking about after the fact, then we're kind of going back to that concept that we talked about a little bit earlier about repair. When I heard you say what's for dinner, I lost my shit a little bit. <laughs> and I realized the story that I'm telling about what's going on is that all of the house responsibilities fall on me and I'm feeling really underappreciated and I feel that I really need some help. That is repair. That is, I am sh- I'm showing you who I am. I am showing you what I need. I'm inviting you to do it different with me. Are you willing? And then the other person can come in in, that, in their own experience too. But that's how we repair. And in those moments of conflict with people, um, Esther Perel has a, just a great little quote about, you can either be right or you can be in the relationship. So like, we all have that part, that petty little part that just wants to like, eviscerate somebody with fact checking and like win the conflict but that can also be a really isolating place and so do I want to be right or do I want to be connected and if I want to be connected then I need to own my shit I need to not take responsibility for someone else's shit and politely let that either sit in the space between us or offer it back to them and um, I need to be available for repair so that's kind of like if everything goes downhill and we need to repair what it can look like in the moment does not have to be this completely calm, um, like unrippled water. You know, for me, what it looks like with my partner is I am so angry. I feel so angry right now. And I don't know why, but I just feel like I want to hurt somebody. Like I want to hurt somebody's feelings right now. And that's where I'm at. So I'm going to take some time by myself because I love you. And I don't want to hurt your feelings. Um, And also, like, you're allowed to kind of call me out. Like, hey, you're being kind of sharp right now. You're being kind of prickly. What's going on? And so, you know, that's the way that I take responsibility, you know, for, and that's just kind of an example, but um, of how we can do this sort of in relationship, how we own what's ours, how we let other people own what's theirs. And if they're not available for that, then that's their own journey but you don't have to kind of pick up that slack because you actually can't do anything with someone else's emotional experience. And if you continue to try to, then we're getting into some more of that like codependent dynamic where everybody loses. It's such important, but really difficult work. Uh, Especially when we're in the moment, right? Where you're like, I know that I I'm in it so often. Um, like, especially in partnership, right? Where you're like, oh, I know all the healthy things to do, but I really don't want to, right? (laughs) Um, So recognizing that this is so important, but can be really difficult, especially if it is brand new work. Um, What are your words of both expertise and encouragement when it comes to the value of doing this work? Because I think for many of us, right? It's like, well, okay, I can theoretically see this, but like, why do I really need to, if this only happens sometimes, like what's, what's the value, um, in investing in and really doing, doing this tough work. Yeah. We don't do it for others. Others will benefit from the internal work that we do, but we do it to help our own experience of ourselves in our life. You know, working on your relationship with yourself is the thing that deepens your relationship with others because our relationship with, with ourselves is how we practice. 
So if I cannot receive love from myself, then sure as hell can't receive it from anyone else. And a great example of that is, or, you know, maybe I don't feel as though I'm beautiful. I cannot receive from myself that I am beautiful. And so if someone says, you're so beautiful, because I can't receive it for myself, that whole message that is going to get muddy and it's going to oh, you're just saying that because you feel bad for me and like, or you're just being, you're belittling me because clearly we both know that I'm not beautiful. So even when it's available to us, we're not able to receive it. And so it, it a big part of the work is just for your own relationship with yourself. Um, we notice that anxiety levels decrease significantly when we are more grounded in our experience. That does not mean our experience is always pleasant, but we can move through the unpleasant much more seamlessly when we are connected to our own experience. And this discomfort and suffering and moments of struggle, they're going to come up. So like it is work either way. It is work to stuff it all down and pretend it's not there. It is work to repair after we completely eviscerate somebody with our words. And it's proactive work to work on our relationship with ourselves because, you know, as humans, we are hardwired for connection. We're, we're meant to be communal. And so, and I, I say this as an introvert who gets very exhausted by people. Um, I am still a communal being. Yes, I need more solitude than others, but I value my, my relationships for survival. And, and by, it used to be survival. Now it's more for just, you know, thriving and like experiencing the full scope of life. And so if it's work either way, maybe let's be curious about the work that gives us a little bit of movement and a little bit of resolution um, and that, uh, that leads us on a path to understanding ourselves and, and starting to make a lot more sense to ourselves. And most of that work isn't done alone. If it sounds really, really daunting and overwhelming, um, that's probably a sign that connecting with the provider could be really helpful because then you have sort of somebody who can show you all, this is kind of how I uh, conceptualize my work with clients. You tell me what's going on. I reflect that back to you. And I say, here's all the paths that we can go down. You pick where we start and you set the pace and we'll walk together. And so we're not, we're just not meant to do the hard stuff by ourselves. Yeah. And for those of you who might not have jumped into our other journeys, we had a first journey on you and your thoughts where in one chapter, Danielle just dives into us about working with someone else in case that's something you're interested in. And we have another journey about you and your thoughts and what can be helpful versus hurtful at home, where we dive into being in relationship with others and what that looks like with Dr. Kyler Shumway as well, in case you're interested in diving into that. Danielle, for today's journey, our conversation on getting through the shitty times, is there anything else you would want to leave our audience with before we sign off? I think the only other thing that I would add, um, I think that just will is interwoven in all conversations about wellness is, um, really protecting your nervous system. There's, you know, especially now that we're working from home, we have access to content all of the time. <laughs> and so what does it look like to be a little bit more mindful? If you want to tune into your body, if you want to tune into your experience, you need to tune out a lot of the distractions. You need to have times where your mind is just idle. We don't really know what it feels like to be bored anymore, but 
that's actually a really helpful emotion to feel. Um, that's where we process things on the other side of boredom is where we have creativity and inspiration and fantasy and critical thinking and all of these things. And so um, part of what that boundary work may look like is it starts with your phone, you know? Um, and so keeping an eye on that, like, do we need to bring our phone into the bathroom? Probably not. Could that be a time where we let our brain just process and integrate everything versus more and more and more and more content? Um, could we get an alarm clock so that when our phone alarm goes off, we're not immediately introducing content with notifications and Instagram and TikTok and all of these things and Twitter? Um, can we can we just wait a beat and can we just see what does my body feel like? It was just unconscious. Now it's conscious. Let me give it 10 minutes to see what consciousness is like and to kind of ground in the day. And then I will choose when I'm going to start introducing content to my, to my brain and to my nervous system. So a big part of all the things that we've been talking about today, um, moving away from some of the distractions around media and, and allowing us to process what's currently going on versus processing new stuff all the time. What a great step one. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. And thank you to everyone for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me.